0: Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. For further information about Northridge Church, visit us online at northridgethompson.com. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we want to share a very well-known passage of Scripture that I believe to be very prevalent for the time at hand as we dive into the Word of God. We realize that it's fathers that the origination of the nation of Israel comes from Abraham was the father of the nation. That it wasn't the mothers that the curse would continue to, to follow. It was the father's downfall. And it was the fathers who would carry the blessing. In fact, if you really study culture, you realize that the reason that that is uh, the case, that when, when a woman marries a man, she drops her name and takes upon the name of the husband, Is exactly what happens with you and I. When we become a child of God, you can trace it back to that, that we pick up his name, we pick up his authority, we pick up sonship, we become a a child, a son or a daughter of God as our fathers, our heavenly father. And the reality is, is there's so much more emphasis placed on the mother rearing the children in the home when in fact that was not God's mandate. The mandate was that the father would be the example. He would be the stronghold. He would be the priest of his home. He would be the one to raise his children. But it was the mother, the wife, who would become the helpmeet. Go back into the garden account and you realize that God created Adam in his own image. Created him out of nothing, ex nihilo. He created him out of the dust of the earth, breathed in his nostrils, and he became a living soul. And then it was, watch this, out of man, which is where we get the word woman, that it created woman. And she brought woman, Eve, to the man, which... Would, would declare that she was subservient to him. The order of creation suggests that. God created man first. The man is the head of the home. And, and all of that doesn't flow together today in a culture where we want everyone to be equal. Get, make no mistake about it. God is a God of order. There's a hierarchy. doesn't mean the value is less. It just shows the, the order that God placed in all things in his creative, sovereign world. But out of that, men, in my opinion, have have taken the helpmeet of the wife and placed the burden upon her shoulders when it never should have been that way. that fathers have the duty, fathers are the originator, fathers are the ones who to uh, to initiate. The standard of life in the home. They're the protectors. In fact, in Ephesians 5 and 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Wives, in verse 22, says, Submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. You know, a lot of us want that submission from our wives, but do we want to love her the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? The reality is is when we as husbands begin to love our wives the way that Jesus loved us, guess what? The default by that would be from a wife. She would want to fall under his protection. She would want to fall under his arm of covering. She would want to submit. We've gotten this thing so out of whack that we've lost our way. And the fact is very clear in Deuteronomy 6 It's a passage very well known it's quoted all throughout the New Testament as well in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9 if you have your Bibles follow along with me if you don't watch on the screen it says Hear O Israel speaking of course to Jacob one of the fathers remember the Bible says over and over and again that, that God the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob that there's a reflection there to the fatherhood that goes back from Jacob and of course his sons he was the father of Israel before that it was Isaac, the one who was put on the altar by his father Abraham, and that Abram was the father of all nations. And we, when the Jews neglected to receive Jesus as the Messiah, the Bible says that the message went to us, the Gentiles, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and that we were grafted into that promise. We became a part of the sonship even of Abraham, and therefore would embrace the promises of land, seed, and blessing that was given him by God. And in Deuteronomy, we see the unfolding of that where he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus was asked the same question by the religious crowd of the day. What is the greatest commandment? What are the greatest commandments of all of, not just the Ten Commandments, but 613 thou shall and thou shall not. There were 613 laws that were grievous, that were things like taking an eye for an eye, cutting off a hand if you take something. You couldn't eat on certain days. You couldn't work on certain days. You couldn't even walk into a house of someone unclean lest you become unclean. A priest couldn't pray for someone who had died and touched them lest they become unclean. I mean the laws just were so vast and so grievous and so heavy and burdensome that Jesus came not to take them away but to fulfill them and then all of the the laws 613 laws hung on this very thing he said the greatest commandment in all of the commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and all your strength and then when they kind of took a step back he said oh and the second one is likened to the first love your neighbor as yourself Jesus went on to say in some of the, the lesser epistles he said the way that people will know that you're my disciples the way people will know you're my followers is based on how you what how you love one another See, it's all encompassed in that word. And what does that look like if we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength? He said, and in verse 6, and these words which I've commanded unto you today, which is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and strength, shall be always in your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. We've lost the desire to be diligent in our efforts today. When things become difficult, we fold. When things become tough, we give in. The Bible calls us to be perseverers of the faith. We're to to persevere. We're to finish the course. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight, which inclines me to believe, church, that if he fought a good fight, then there's another side of that. There's a fight that we're fighting today that just may very well not be a good fight we might be just fighting a fight when in fact Paul said I fought a good fight why because Paul persevered he finished his course do you know when he wrote that he was in a Roman prison waiting imminent death he was waiting beheading And yet he was encouraged because he finished his course. If you parallel that verse and go back over to Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, the Bible says, Paul speaking some 15 years later, he said, now I go bound by the Holy Spirit. I go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that await me there. But I know this, that God has called me to go to this place. And watch this, none of these things move me that I may finish my course with joy. Why did he finish his course, men? Because he purposed to do that very thing 15 years previous. It's time we draw the proverbial line in the sand and say, I will not be moved. I will finish my course with joy. Not just finish, but finish it with joy. Finish it with power. Finish it with zeal. Finish it with our head up. Not just falling slothfully over the finish line and holding your hand up as you lie flat on your face and say, I finished. No, no, no. But to walk across and say, I finished my course with joy. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. How do you do that? Watch what he said. The words which I commanded you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently, in verse 7, to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Can I tell you what he's saying? He's saying everything you do, everything that has breath, every uh, ordeal, every job, every encounter, let it be bound around your heart. And he goes on to say, you shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and you shall wear them as frontlets or a reminder between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your home and your gates. Why? Because God is saying this through his providential word. He's saying when people come in your house they ought to know man of God that this is what is expected in my home you're going to act this way you're going to walk this way you're going to eat this way you're going to give thanks before you do that you're going to give thanks when you lie down you're going to give thanks when you rise up because all good gifts come down from the father of lights and do, do people know that when they come into our home do we act different in our home than we do in the church house do we act different in the church than we do in our jobs What do people say about you when they see you coming? Here comes a fake. Here comes a hypocrite. Here comes a, and on and on and on. Or they say, here comes a man of God. He's not perfect. Here comes a man of God. He messes up. Here comes a man of God. You want prayer? You want to see something happen? Get in touch with that guy because he's in touch with the Heavenly Father. You see, the reality is, is there's some amazing men in this room. There's some amazing men in my life. I've I've seen some incredible examples over my 47 years. I've seen really, really encouraging examples, godly men. But can I say this out loud without any apology? Men in the context of the natural will fail you every time. Preachers will fail you. Men will fail you. Women will fail you. Teachers will fail you. Doctors will fail you. Nurses, everybody will fail. But there's one good, good father who will never fail you, who will never forsake you, who will never leave you. And that's God in heaven, and the example that He has set under His biblical mandates is one that we dads ought to be able to follow. I want to bring you a message today entitled "Good Good Father." I want to be more than just an okay dad. I want to be more than just a father that kind of finishes the course. I want to finish it with zeal. I want to finish it with something that matters. I want, watch this, I want a legacy, which, make no mistake about it's completely different than popularity. I want legacy. What does that mean? I want to have a testimony that long outlives me when I leave this world, that somehow, way, that this world is just a little bit better than the way that I found it, that I have invested at least in one life. Or two lives or three lives so much so that they'll carry the mantle I want my son to take the mantle and I want him to press on I don't want him to quit I want him to invest in another life guys can I tell you something when we live like that that is true discipleship discipleship is not found in a classroom Discipleship is not some beautiful cliche that I'm discipling somebody. Discipleship is doing life with people. And it's making mistakes with people. It's saying you're sorry with people. It's owning your mistakes. It's standing up and it's keeping on, keeping on. See, that's what my good, good father did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And who shall ever shall believe upon him? He'll have eternal life. He not perish. You know, he called Isaac, he called Abraham to do the same thing with his son. Many scholars have often wondered why. Why would a God in heaven, a good, good father, why would he require Abraham to go under such duress to be able to call him to lay a knife at his son's chest on that mountain that day to take the the, the time to go through that? I'll tell you why. Because in the time that Abraham lived, and not much different than what we live today in some cultures, The religion of that day that was somewhat the antithesis of Christianity would have been paganism, false god, false worship. The prophets of Baal, people like Jezebel and Ahab, who did more evil in the sight of God than anyone else, literally would have killed their children, would have put them on the altar to please their God. Can I tell you something? Your God, the God of Abraham and of of Isaac and of Jacob, is never calling you to put your child on the altar of sacrifice. He says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God. And by the way, that's your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may fulfill God's perfect plan for your life. That's what God is calling you to do. Not to kill yourself, not to kill someone else at that hand, but to present your body and your life a living sacrifice. But the reason I believe, one of the reasons that God called Abraham to take his son's life on that mountain that day Number one, he knew that he wasn't going to allow him to finish it. But he wanted to see, watch this church. He wanted to see if his faith serving the true God was even remotely close to the ones who were serving the false God. You see, the reality is that day when Abraham took his knife and pulled it back to drive it into his son's chest, had the father, Abraham, not been listening to his father? Because God said, Abraham... And he stopped. He stopped mid-swing. Abraham. What if Abraham would not have been listening to the father that day? Dads, are we listening to the heart and the voice of God? Are we so close that we can hear that whisper? Like Elijah said, the great mountains and earthquakes come, but God was not in it. A fire came, but God was not in it. It was in the still, small voice of God. Can I translate that for you? Glad you asked. It's a whisper. How do you hear a whisper? You have to be close to God to hear the whisper. To feel his breath on your neck means that you're close to God. And if Abraham had not heard that voice that day, he would have pierced his son's heart and killed him outside the perfect will of God. But because he was listening to God, he stopped and looked over. He said, stop, lay not one hand upon that boy. And he looked over and he saw a ram caught in by his horns in the thicket. And he said, God shall provide himself a lamb. See, he foreshadowed. God giving of his own Son, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. See, I want to be a father that perseveres, a father that wears the Word of God around my heart, around my hands, bound around my hands. It's in my home, it's in my life, it's in my exemplified in everything that I do. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but the beauty in it is we serve a perfect God. And that through that, we can do life change. I'm going to give you four things real quick, four principles. Four precepts that are found in the perfect father that can help you be the good, good father. Number one, dads, I think to be a good, good father, we need to be a protector. We need to be a protector. We need to take the brunt of the energy of the world's evil, and we need to stop it from coming into our home. We need to take one for the team. How many of you have heard that little cliche? Take one for the team. It's kind of like when the the baseball player gets up to bat and and you want to force a run over to get him in scoring position. Well, what do they tell you? Just lean in and what do do they say? Take one for the team. I I never liked that position, by the way. Just lean in and let the ball just hit you. Just take one for the team. Pow. Dads, can I tell you something? It's time we stand up, lean in, and take one for the team. Dads, I think it's time that we guess what? That we protect our families. How do you do that? You need to guard what comes into your home. How many of you guys got daughters? The ones of you can. Oh Lord Jesus, pray for me. You know. (laughs) Let me let me just say this. I'm gonna gonna put this as spiritual, because it ain't coming through here spiritual, okay? But I'm gonna put it spiritual. Y'all pray for me as it comes out. My wife ain't here, so I might cut up a little bit. But watch this. If a jack wagon comes up, that's, I can say that, Cana. If a jack wagon comes up to your house to pick up your precious little prince's girl, and they honk the horn, you better tell that girl to stay seated. How I many of you know he better come to the door? He better knock on the door. He better have his pants pulled up. He better, his breath better not even stay. He better not have any flaw. I will send that joker packing. Amen, man. Amen. Why? Why? Let me tell you why. And I I told my daughter this. You are a prize to be won. You are precious. And my God, he better treat you with more dignity, more respect, more honor. He better come knock at that door. He better put a ten spot in my hand. He better pay me because you're worth having. That We ought to start doing that, haven't we? Hey, sir, can I date your daughter? Yeah, it's going to be $100. May help pay the rent. Who knows? Unless your daughter's crazy, you may have to pay them to take her out. I don't know. See, I shouldn't have said that. That came out before I... Dads, we need to be putting our daughters on our lap. And I said that out loud. We need to be putting our daughters on our lap and we need to be embracing her. We need to be hugging her. We need to kiss her on the cheek. We need to be the ones tucking our daughters in, guys. Why? Because we are wired. We are wired to receive love and affection from both man and woman, mom and dad, husband and wife. And make no mistake about it, if you don't give them the love and you don't give them the touch and you don't give them the embrace and you don't tell them they're beautiful, some jack wagon will step into their world and they will soak it all up and they will tell her everything she wants to hear because we didn't tell her. She's worth it. Need to be the protector of our home. Listen, and I'm not splitting hairs with you, and I'm not Please understand my heart. We need to be careful about what comes into our home by way of television and internet. Guys, when we went through school 21 years ago, there was no internet. Today, The mind is the only thing that can slow down the process of what you can fathom that's out there. If they can think it and conceive it, and then some things that are inconceivable can be found at www.whatintheheck.com. It's out there. And they're getting on that, and they're seeing it, and they're embracing it as truth. And guys, we need to protect them. Can, Can I tell you something? There's never been a daughter or a son that has been protected. Maybe they didn't embrace it today. Maybe they didn't like it now. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, Dad, you might not be your child's best friend. Can I tell you something? That's okay. You're not called to be their best friend. You're called to be their dad. But I've seen many a man and many a women turn back. Isn't it funny how when our children are three, four, five, and six, we are the most brilliant people in all of the world, moms and dads. Dads are heroes, want to get on his shoulders. When they get to be 13, 14, and 15, it's amazing how stupid parents become as the kids get a little older. Mommy, you just don't understand. Dad, you just don't know. You ain't walked in my shoes. Are you kidding me, dude? I walked in them. I bought you those shoes. I promise you I know where you are. (laughs) And you ain't beyond going barefoot. We get about 23, 24, we get out and start absorbing some of life's crazy. How many of you called home and said, you know what, Mom, y'all weren't so crazy after all. Anybody ever done that? Eat a little crow? Yeah, I see a few hands going up. The rest of y'all are telling a story. You need to be a protector. Dad, you need to be a protector. Take one for the team. Secondly, not only do you need to be a protector, you need to be a provider. The Bible said if a man doesn't work, he ought not to eat. That's what the Bible says. We have built a culture of enablers. We've done it. It's not a political statement. This is just a reality. We've built a culture of enablers. Let me tell you something. That guy comes over there to date your daughter. You say, have a seat, partner. Can i get you a drink. If he says beer, kick him out. Say, uh, what's your plans, man? You got a job, a J-O-B for my daughter? <laughs> How much money you make an hour? Quote. The first five books of the Bible. I mean, anything you want to throw out there at him. The Bible says that we need to be providers. We need to be providers. We need to watch this. We not. We don't need to be as fathers. We don't need to be stingy. Yeah, but you know that's my hunting day. Are you kidding me? How many of you like to hunt? Come on, get your hands up. I'm not picking at you, but I love it. I love to hunt. If you put hunting before rearing your children and being a wife, a husband to your wife, shame on you. How many of y'all like to ride motorcycles? How many of y'all like to ride four-wheelers, ATVs? How many of y'all like to play basketball? How many of y'all like to go to the gym? Let that be second, third, fourth, and fifth after you're providing for your family. Because if your family's doing without so that you can have, all that shifts when you get married. All the men in the house said amen. Amen. You may have to sell your boat. You may have to sell your bike. You may have to sell things that you You may have to quit the gym and get, get home and do push-ups with your kid on your back. I promise you it won't be the worst thing that ever happened. Just maybe you'll make some great memories. You know what else you need to do? You need to be a provider that doesn't come home and complain about providing. Okay, so you work all week and you come in and kick your shoes off and kick off your and back in your lazy boy and you cut the game on and you tell your wife to cook dinner, your kids to go get the paper, whatever. Can I tell you something? They worked all week too. In fact, the truth be told, and y'all don't tell my wife I said this, they probably worked a lot harder than you and I did because they're at home. And they're, if it were meant to be for dads to stay at home, there would be no children in the world, would there? If it meant for us to have child labor, we'd, we'd dumb it over. they go through literal hell on earth for our children and for us, our wives do. And dads, we need to be providers. You know what the Bible says? That God, one of his many names was Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. Do you know what Abraham did every time he went into a new city? Every single time he went into a new city, he built an altar to worship God. We need to make our home a place of worship. We need to provide them, watch this, with a good example. Not only are we not complaining, but we're thankful That their kids running through the house. We're thankful that there are things going on. We're thankful that they're playing sports. We're thankful that they got to go to youth camp. We're thankful that they got to go to Wednesday night service. We're thankful that they want to do those things. And we need to not complain about it. We need to be an example. Watch this. Any any hunter will tell you, any sniper will tell you. The number one point of reference for for being able to shoot anything is to have proper target 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 acquisition to be able to see what you're shooting at guys we are the ones that has to set the target out there for our children to shoot. it's got to be clear we got to say that's the target that's what you shoot at you want to be a man of God you want to do something great there's your target you want to have financial uh, means to be able to do things for your family? There's the target. Give a tent to God. Honor God with your first fruits and he will bless you. He says in Malachi 3.10, try me in this and see if I want to open up the windows of heaven Pour out a blessing upon you that you can't contain it. That's a target for us to drive into our children. Not let them hear us as we leave the house and say, "I know the preacher's going to ask for some more money." The preacher's not asking for money. The preacher's also tithing. He's got a target too. The preachers have to do it. The teachers, the deacons, the men and women of God. We got to set a clear target. You want a great marriage? Hey, guess what? Here's how you do it. Here's a clear target. Love your spouse, love your wife, husbands, the way that Jesus Christ loved you. How did He love you when you were unlovable? When you were running from Him? When you were cursing? Him. When you are a picture of the Roman soldier nailing his hand and feet to the cross, that's how he loves you. Love her that way, you will have no marriage problems. It's all fixed because then Ephesians five twenty two will happen by immediate default. When you love your wives that way, she will want to submit. And and ladies, that doesn't mean cower down. That most certainly doesn't mean less than. It doesn't mean to be a doormat. It means to be honored as the woman of God that you are. Because he's going to put you first. And in so doing, you're going to feel safe. Because you're protected. Our children should come home. And when the lightning storms start raging, when all the storms of life start raging, kids should be able to come to you dad and say dad what should I do here as the band starts to make their way back up listen to me dads you should help mama with fixing some of the problems how do you do that by protecting them from the lies of the world because if you don't show them the way they'll find another one and it may very well be the wrong one thirdly real quickly Not only do you need to be a protector and a provider, you need to be a promoter. You need to take the spiritual gifts that God has given you as a man of God, as a husband, as a brother, as a son and a father. And you need to promote through your spiritual gifts, you need to promote their life so that they begin to walk in their spiritual gifts. You need to make them rise up, you diminish that you lift your children up. You encourage them. I love the fact that there was such a beautiful balance in my home between mom and dad. Mom was a rock. Mom was there all the time. Mom never moved. Mom waited up for me every time, even sometimes when I didn't want her to. She was always waiting up for me. Dad was working two, three, four jobs, going back and forth. He coached ball. He was doing all that. But I remember on the times when I would do something that would be a little dangerous like going hunting in the woods for the first time with my own gun or carrying a machete to the woods to cut down some trees or break some dirt. My mother would say, you be careful. My dad would go, you go and do it, boy. He'd promote. He'd encourage me. See, to encourage your children, daddies, means that you build courage. That's what it means to encourage. You're building courage. Do you know why? Because our children are growing up terrified because nothing anymore is consistent. They don't know when dad's coming. They don't know when he's leaving. They got this thing happening, that thing happening. Doors are open. Doors are closed. Churches, I mean, everything about it. There's so many unknowns out there. Our children, our sons and daughters need to step into one thing consistent, and that is my dad is here to stay. He is firmly planted in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to be like that. Because here's the deal. They're going to be like you anyway. But if you're not giving them a beautiful, clear target to shoot at, then being like you might just be the, the travesty, the worst thing you could ever happen. I don't say that with any joking or boasting. I, I say that with humility the beauty in what I saw my, my dad do in his life towards the end the last 15 years of his life and I say this loosely please accept this word for what it's meant to be he worshipped the ground my mother walked on my mother just thought gasoline stayed in cars she never pumped her own gas after dad died she called me she said my car will crank have you checked the gas oh yeah there's gas always in my car it's endless I'm kidding she didn't say that she didn't make her own coffee you never cook for dad dad pretty much cooked for her that's the way it ought to be and to be a promoter lends itself to this idea that we're taking our children's talents and watch this and their weaknesses and we're helping them to fashion who it is that they're called by God to be just to help build them up as how many of you know the world will tear them down? How many of you know that? I wonder, are there any, any dads in the house that just want to see their kids succeed and be the, the person of God that God's called them to be? I wonder to see any dads in the house that can raise their hands and say, that's what I want. Can I tell you something? It may not mean they're going to be a doctor like you want them to be. It may not mean that they're going to be wealthy like you hope they can be. It may mean that they sell their life out to go to a foreign mission field. It may mean that they give their life over to some other type of mission. It may mean that they, they do a job that maybe you wouldn't have chosen for them. But instead of saying, come on now you can do that. No, it's you're promoting them to be the best whatever they're called to be. That they'll be the best as unto the Lord. Whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Heartily. With all your strength. Not just living your life vicariously through your children and letting them be what you wish you could have been but talking to them promoting health in the family promoting glue and, and the stick the, the perseverance and looking them in the face and say guys it's going to be tough it's going to be real tough you can do it I hope that parents are doing what my parents did with me when I was a kid because it used to drive me crazy if I ever started playing a sport or whatever, I'd be at about a week or two into it, and I'd say, right, I'm ready to quit. Because I'd see my kids, my friends doing something else. It was funner. It was more fun. Does that happen to anybody else? My dad say, if you started it, you're going to what? Finish it. Did that happen to anyone else? Are we doing that to our children, or are we just letting them be a culture and a generation of stinking quitters? Because that's what's wrong. See, God has never quit on us. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And if and if God's not going to give up on our children, why are we letting them give up on themselves? Tell them, they're mighty men of God. Tell them the story of David slaying Goliath because he went in the power of the one true living God. Tell them about Sarah who had a a son in her old age. Tell them about Hannah who was barren and ended up bringing forth the prophet Samuel. Tell them about the people of God that were perseverers that were strong and mighty in the Lord. Be a promoter, dads. And then lastly... And I submit, most importantly, we dads have got to be a priest of our home. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood. That may not fit with what you feel yourself to be today, but you're a priest of your home. The Bible says in the book of Job that Job prayed for his children. And watch this, he even prayed for the sins that they might have committed. That's a faithful dad right there, praying for things that were even unknown to him priest of his home what does it say you shall teach them diligently you shall teach them diligently to your children the laws of God shall talk of them when you sit down when you walk by the way when you lie down when you rise up you shall buy them as a sign of your heart and they shall be frontlets or reminders in your eyes you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the city gates to be a priest means that you have an exemplary prayer life how do you pray pray without ceasing daddies pray out loud for your whole family to hear every single couple that I have ever ever counseled the first thing that I ask them is how is your prayer life sir without fail 100% of those men that have gone through marital difficulty have said I'm terrified to pray I can't pray in front of my family hey I get it I was there too I'm going to tell you something. When you come a priest of your home, you sit down with your child and you hold his hand. And you pray over that child speaking life. Life and death is in the power of your what? Tongue. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart flows the issues of life. Change hearts by changing your prayer life. Pray over them. Say, I'm believing that Tyler can do exceedingly, abundantly above that which you can ask, think, or imagine. I'm believing that Tyler's going to marry a woman who's going to be a virgin, and he's going to be a virgin. I'm believing that Ashley's going to marry, and she's going to sing the way she sang since she was two years old. And she's going to marry a singer, and they're going to be virgins. And I'm believing you, God. They're not going to be addicts. They're not going to be crazy. They're not going to embarrass us. They're not going to embarrass you. They're going to have a testimony and God, they're going to serve you, and I pray that over their life, and that's exactly what happened, and let me tell you something, it's not because I'm a good guy, it's not because God smiled on me and didn't smile on you pray it over your child, be a priest of your home. Pray without ceasing. Don't give up. Don't let your child walk in and say, I can't do this. Say, you know what? You can't, but when you're weak, then he is strong. You can do all things through Christ, which gives you strength. When they say, hey, I can't speak eloquently. Tell them, say, Moses said the same thing to God, but he stood and he took what was in his hand and he raised it out over the sea and he split the seas open and he became the deliverer of God's people. Hey, you know what? I'm afraid. That's cool. You're afraid, but God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power and of a love, and of a sound mind. And you can't know that if you're not in the Word of God. you got to bind this thing in your heart. you got to put it on your head as a reminder. you got to put it at the doorpost. Get it off the coffee table and put it in your heart. And you will become the priest of your home. You will be the lover of your wife. You will be the lover of your children. You will be an example. Only, only, only. Because you get to a place where you've made Jesus Lord of all. And then and only then will your children rise up and be great and mighty in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of you, maybe like me, in spite of you. My children are not wonderfully situated in the framework of God's heart today because I'm anything special. There are the, all those things in spite of me being a failure. But I recognize that today, and I'm telling you. Don't let music be number one in their life. Don't let sports be number one in their life. Don't let that girl or guy be number one in their life. Don't let dance be number one in their life, or cheerleading, or, or, or accolades, or academics, or popularity. Put Jesus Christ priest of your home fathers put Jesus Christ at the epicenter of everything you do you pray about it before you do it you want a car pray about it out loud with your children let them see the example you want to buy a home pray about it God sent us the right one You have financial difficulty and you mess up and you're juggling the bills. And you pull the bills out and you tell the kids, say, all right, guys, here's the deal. Here's our credit card account. Here's our payment. Here's your school tuition. Here's this. We cannot make it. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give God our first fruits. Now, let's join hands and let's pray. and We say, God, you magnify. You glorify yourself. We are faithful to you first. Maybe we've made some mistakes. But, God, we're asking for you to make the crooked places straight. Be the priest of your home and then finally here's how you do it Luke 15 it's really not about the prodigal son it's about the faithful father there was three characters in that story the father the son and then the prodigal and when the prodigal left home daddy some of y'all need to hear what I'm about to say some of your kids have already left and they're out there when they come home You treat them like the faithful father did. The prodigal son, after he expelled all of his wealth to riotous living, maybe he went out to Las Vegas and blew it all on this and that. And he held his head down and he walked back to the father's house. Feeling unworthy to be called a son and said, the servants in my father's house have it better than I. Maybe I can go back into my father's house and be a servant. And I'll serve him to the day I die. Because I've expelled it all. I've blown it all. And the father sees him coming. And he doesn't say, here comes a new servant. He said, there's my boy. And I've been waiting for him. I'm ready for him. Hey, go get the fatted calf ready. Go give me the robe of righteousness. Go get my ring that indicates authority. He's still my son. Not because he's worthy. He's my son by birth. Welcome home, son. Enter in it's still all here for you it's right here because dad never moved dad is faithful be a priest of your home dad welcome them back in I don't care what they've said I don't care what they've done I don't care what they've called you be the priest of your home I'm going you to bow your heads with me all over the room maybe you're that prodigal today maybe you have been the one to pull away from your earthly father maybe you've been the one to leave your home Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. Maybe you need to come home today. Maybe you need to walk this aisle today and say, Father, (laughs) I'm not worthy to be your son. And you know what he's going to tell you? He's going to say, oh, you're not my son because you're worthy. You're my son because I'm worthy. You're my son by birth. You have sonship because you have my name. Here's my authority. Here's the robe of righteousness. Put these shoes on your feet because you're not going to be called a servant. You're going to be called a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Maybe there's people in the sound of my voice today that need to come home. Just come home. Maybe you're sitting there today and you say, Mark, I'm not a child of God. I I believe in God, but I've never made that step of faith and invited Him into my life. Would you pray with me right now from your heart to God and invite Jesus into your heart to be the Lord of your life. Pray this with me right now. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner, and I believe in Jesus. I want to invite Jesus to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, save me. Help me to live for you, to be faithful until the day you call me home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart today, you've been born again. I'd like to be able to just pray for you. I'm not going to point you out, but I wish you would do something for me without any hesitation or personal debate. Lift your hand right now. Say, I invited Jesus in my heart. God bless you. Saw another hand. Anybody else? Lift it up high. How many of you could say, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful to the voice of God. I want to be faithful to the ways of God. I want to be faithful to the grace and the mercy of God. How many of you can say, I want to be that, Mark. If you just pray for me, lift your hand up. Hands are up, going up all over the room. Hold them up. Hold them up dads are you being a protector are you being the godly provider are you being the promoter of God and of faith and of your children and your wife and are you being the priest of your home if you're not dad if you're not right now take that step and take fear and lay it in the chair and right now right this very second when I count to three dads if you're not being what you know God's called you to be hey no harm in that no shame in that I'll meet you down here because I can always be better than I am I can do better than I am dads in the house if you want to do better stand up right now walk to this altar and let's pray together today come on dads come on right now just come if that's you and you want to do better stand up don't wait for the guy next to you to move he's waiting for you to move just find a place on the altar and just say, God, I want to be the kind of dad you called me to be. I want to be a good, good father. Help me, God. If you invited Jesus in your heart today, I want you to come. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray for you. If God is calling you to be a, a part of our fellowship and a part of Northridge Church, part of this family, we don't take that lightly. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you join ranks with us to help us reach the people that are on the outside with the love of Jesus that we see on the inside. The doors of our church are open today. If you'd like to be a part of our church, come now.